everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit on all of the biggest news of the week. As always with Bayern Munich, there was a ton of big news, a lot to discuss. We had a lot of really lively and fun discussions on the site this week because, quite frankly, there were a lot of controversial topics, and we're going to try and hit on a bunch of them right now. Uh, in my mind, this is, uh, I mean, one, it's a huge week because Bayern Munich is in the throes of a title race, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but uh, there's a lot of excitement, or at least there should be, surrounding this weekend's matchup against RB Leipzig. Uh, if you have not listened to I Need No Names preview of the show of that game, you should check it out. Uh, it's really nicely done, uh, and it's not a heavy listen. It's, it's it's brief, and you'll get everything you need to know about that match, especially get his thoughts on how this could all play out. Of course, Bayern Munich needs the three points. RB Leipzig needs the three points because they want to stay in contention for a Champions League berth. So is there, there is a lot at stake this weekend. But as we traveled through these days leading up to the big match, there was a lot to talk about. And namely, and this is perhaps the biggest story of the week, and in my mind was the most controversial story, was that we saw that Yashua Kimmich might be set for a position change, yet another position change heading into next season. Instead of taking his normal role at the six we could see Yashua Kimmich move up to the number eight position. And this created quite a stir. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, When you look at the situation, you look at Kimmich and you see a player with dynamic ability in a number of areas. He's a good passer. He's good under pressure. He can get up into the play offensively and contribute. He's a good shooter. He is a good defender when he wants to defend. He sees the field well. There are very few weaknesses in Kimmich's game. And I think that with Kimmich, you look at a lot of different things and and his versatility being one of them. He is the the perfect kind of player to be a ball distributor, someone to help facilitate turning defense into offense. And because of his defensive ability, which in my mind, I, I think he's a really, really good defender when he wants to be one. I think that he is a a great candidate for this team to play and lead the team from the sixth position. I firmly believe that. Now, I totally respect the opposing views on that because there are a lot of them. And whether it's just people in the BFW community who have a lot of great thoughts about it or some of our own writers, um, I know Frank, for one, has a lot of thoughts on this. Wish I actually wish I could have had Frank on the show because I would really like to have talked to him about it and maybe... We will hook this up for when this becomes a reality. But, uh, you know, a couple of the things to think about with this, and and I've given you my stance on why I think Kimmich should be the six. But one of the other things that that really strikes me is that I think that the Kimmich and Gretzka tandem still can work. I'm a big fan of them working together because I think they complement each other so well. Kimmich has always been more of that ball distributor. Gretzka has always been more of that box-to-box presence. And we've seen them interchange those roles at times and really have a good symbiotic relationship in the midfield where they can switch on every ebb and flow and they had good communication. So it always did seem to work out and they had a stable presence defensively and while being able to contribute offensively. I mean, it was to me, in my mind, a really next generation 
look at how football should be played when the two of them were operating at the at their optimal abilities and I honestly like the way that they play together. I I think Kimmich has really been good this season. It hasn't been his best season by any means, but he's been really good. I think Goretzka, while it also has not been his best season, I don't think I'm ready to write him off yet. And there are a lot of people that are. And yes, he has some deficiencies. He's not the best passer, but he does a lot of things from that eight position that I think really make matchups hard for other teams. And and in my mind, I'm just not ready to give up on Kimmich and Gretzka as a tandem yet, but it does appear that the club is ready to it. But why? And this is where the whole situation gets interesting. As my guy Frank pointed out, maybe this has to do with Thomas Tuchel and what he wants to see from the sixth position, that he doesn't think that Joshua Kimmich is up to the task of being the sixth. And that's possible. And I wouldn't discount that totally because Kimmich being as offensive minded as he can be at times has shown this season that he will give up his defensive responsibilities in hopes of joining the attack. And sometimes he's done that recklessly. And maybe that's something that Tuchel has looked at and he said, I can't change this player or I don't want to change this player. So I'm going to shift him somewhere where those abilities are things that he can use more frequently and maybe we'll get more production out of him that way. That's definitely one scenario. Another scenario is that Kimmich, and we've seen this over the course of the season where he has kind of abandoned that six role and really started to push forward. We have seen him almost really thrust himself into being an eight anyway. And is he the one pushing for this move? It's very possible that Kimmich is a player that has a desire to play somewhere else. Like he might really want to be an eight. And if so, who at the club is going to tell him he can't do that? It's certainly not going to be Tuchel who doesn't have the profile yet to be able to turn down a star player like that. Despite being the coach, Kimmich has far more weight at that club than Tuchel probably ever will. And yeah, Tuchel has support right now. The bosses are behind him because they have to be. I mean, after they fired Nagelsmann midway through the season, it kind of jacked things up. And and let's be honest, it wasn't even midway through the season. It was probably about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, It was not good either way. But Tuchel has to really walk on eggshells around Kimmich, just like the rest of the club. And it gets really interesting when you examine the timing of some of the rumors that have come out. Of course, now we're seeing FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Manchester City all of a sudden having interest in Joshua Kimmich, all at a time where he's being rumored to want to play a new position or that he's going to get moved to a new position. So in my mind with Kimmich, you have to look at a couple of things. Excellent player, uh, terrific winning attitude, technically just phenomenal. He does so many things well, handles the press, good passer. But with Kimmich, he's got a massive, massive ego. And while he is a glue player to the locker room, someone that binds the different segments of the locker room together, let's be honest, he's someone who's going to look out for what Yashua Kimmich wants first and foremost. And Yashua Kimmich has now built up this reputation within the club that coaches have been afraid to, to take him out of games. They have been afraid to rest him. The club itself, the executives seem to be walking around in fear of this guy. And, and you can say that I'm projecting that or that I'm making it up, but let's let's look at the situation. I mean, Kimmich gets what he wants all the time. 
And yeah, he probably wasn't happy that Nagelsmann was let go because Kimmich was getting that freedom to, to push forward and play, play a more attacking role. I, I think that Kimmich is a guy who has things set in stone in his mind. Like he wants certain things and everyone at the club now, and at least from what I can tell is having to react to Kimmich rather than work with him. And that's a very dangerous situation for any player. Uh, with Kimmich, I think Byron does have a little bit of fear that he is the kind of player that his game could translate well in Spain. It could translate well in England. And he is exactly the type of player who those clubs would want. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester City. You could look at anybody in the Premier League and they would take Kimmich in a heartbeat. So he kind of does have the club over a barrel when it comes to his status because if he decides he wants to leave, whether they consider him unsellable or not, they've already created this atmosphere around him where he's going to get what he wants no matter what. So I don't doubt that if Kimmich doesn't like the way things are going, if he doesn't get his way, he's going to push his way out the door. And and I know there is a there is a big segment of the Bayern Munich fan base that believes like club over everything and all of that. And that's great traditional thinking. The modern player doesn't always see things that way. And Kimmich is a great example of a modern player because while he may like Bayern Munich, it might have been his goal to get to Bayern Munich and win trophies there. He's also got his eyes on, on, on the bigger prize here. He could go to Spain or, or England. And he could probably make, you know, 125, 130% of his current salary, right? He, he absolutely could do that. He is someone who is always going to force his way into a starting lineup. He's not going to have to battle for a position until his skills and his physic, uh, physical state start to erode. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Kimmich is definitely a, a guy who's he's going to take care of himself. And, you know, in some ways he ha he does endanger himself of running uh, his body into the ground with how often he wants to play. But he's always going to dictate that because he's always going to have a good enough skill set, like I said, until he gets older. So all of this fear that's going around with Kimmich in the club, I think that it has kind of influenced how his situation will be handled. And when you look at the, the difference between the six and the eight and how Byron could plan on using them moving forward, we really don't know yet because we don't know what Tuchel's going to have planned for next season. Tuchel could run out of back three. He could continue with the four, two, three, one. We could see a four, three, three. We just don't know because I'll be honest, I don't think Tuchel knows at this point. The one thing that we do know is Kimmich is angling for this. And if just following back to, to what we were saying earlier, I mean, if you watched him play when he was paired up with Marcel Sabitzer, which was an excellent pairing, they did well together. They complemented each other. But that required Marcel Sabitzer to sacrifice a big part of his own game. Sabitzer really did take a more deep-sitting role. He sat back. He didn't get as involved in the attack as you would probably see Marcel Sabitzer do in the past. And Sabitzer is an attack-minded player. So for him to do that, it did require a lot of sacrifice. But it worked well with Kimmich because it allowed Kimmich to get forward. And this is where it all kind of started getting the wheels turning in my mind. Because when I saw how those two played together and recognizing that Goretzka is definitely more of the offensive pairing, offensive part of the Kimmich-Goretzka pairing, it made me think that if this is what Kimmich wants to do, 
this could potentially not work great when Goretzka eventually comes back from his injury, which he did. And again, I don't think that they've been bad as a tandem. I really don't. But I do see that it hasn't always been great. And I, I get that Goretzka has not had his best season. There's there's no disputing that. He has definitely had better years in the past. But this tandem can move forward together. They can be good together. It just seems like the club is not going to have it work out that way. And with Kimmich now, in my mind, starting to realize that he wants to play a more offensive role, he's going to get exactly what he wants. So in the end, where does this leave everyone? I mean, you have Conrad Limer coming in. You have Ryan Gravenberg. You have Sabitzer coming back from loan, even though most people expect him to leave. You've got a lot of eights. I mean, Gravenberg is already extremely unhappy and wants to play more. I don't know how that happens. If if Tuchel continues to roll out a, a formation that uses two central midfielders, I'll never be able to process in my head how this is going to keep Gravenberg happy. When you have Limer coming in, you have Kimmich moving up to the eight, you have Goretzka on the roster, and you have the club actively looking to sign another six. This is this is to me a train wreck waiting to happen because you you have this situation where you have too many, way too many players for one position. So you can suppose that Sabitzer won't be back, that he's going to find a new club to go to, whether that's Manchester United or somewhere else. doesn't really matter as long as Sabitzer finds somewhere to go. So that could solve one issue. But then you have incoming RB Leipzig midfielder Conrad Leimer, who some people view as more of a six. Most people view him as an eight. Uh, as a as a pressing number eight, a physical eight, someone whose technical ability is there, but you're not always going to see him being the ball distributor as, like someone like Tiago, right? So it's a little bit different of a look with Limer. It's definitely a little bit different of a look with Gravenberg when they play the position than what you get with Goretzka. But if you're adding Kimmich into that eight mix and you're now going to bring in a six who's really going to be unchallenged in the role unless Tuchel has a change of heart and wants to play Kimmich as the six. You've just created a massive log jam. You're putting a lot of weight on whoever this number six is that comes in to actually be good. And what we've seen in recent years is not that not everybody in their first season at Bayern Munich comes in and is really good. Sure, you have cases like Matthijs De Ligt who came in and after a slow start really asserted himself as the club's best center back. But then you have other cases like Sadio Mane, who has come in and has been not good. You've seen a lot of players come in and, and not be good in their first season. So this is definitely an area of concern for me because more than anything, as you examine this whole Kimmich situation, who comes in, who goes out, it makes me wonder what the hell is going on with the squad planning. Is there a long-term vision for this? Because if there is, you would assume that at some point there would have been a roadmap saying, okay, Kimmich's going to transition from right back to the six. And then after four to five years, we'll probably move him to the eight because that's what he really wants to do. I, I, I highly doubt that that roadmap is there. I highly doubt that there's really any thought going into how this was all going to work even last summer when they signed Gravenberg. And then we started almost immediately at the start of the season, seeing rumors that Byron was going to sign Limer. And then all of a sudden, the first thing that popped into my mind is, well, what the hell happens with Goretzka and Sabitzer? 
Right. Exactly. So now we are really at that point because at this summer, when this summer transfer window starts, you're really going to have four players for that eight position. And then you're going to have to backfill with the six who there is no guarantee is going to be successful in the role. So I'm very skeptical about this move. I, for one, am right now against it. I want to see Kimmich remain as the six. I want to see Kimmich embrace the role put his all into it and devote himself to being the best six in the world, which I think he can be. I think he's a phenomenal midfielder. And when, when he had that initial move to the midfield, there was a lot of skepticism, but I'll never forget Marcus Iredell, one of our BFW staffers saying, Kimmich's going to be great in the midfield. Don't worry about it. He's going to lock it down. He's got everything you need to be a successful midfielder. And Marcus was dead on right. Even though it probably temporarily hurt the right back position in the end it ended up working out because Benjamin Pavar has been able to establish that he is a, a top flight defender whether some people want to admit that or not so in the end it did work out and I listen I don't have a doubt that Kimmich could be a successful eight but is this what's best for the club moving forward is this what's best to set this team up to be successful next season my answer right now is no I think you're adding a lot of uncertainty at the six position. And if that person who comes in as the six is not great, and then you start shuffling, then you risk alienating Kimmich, who at this point may no longer want to play the six role. And I don't doubt that Kimmich, you know, the future captain, we all know he probably will be, is a team player. But I do think in this case, he wants what he wants, and I don't think that he's going to be willing to sacrifice much to move back to that six position if things don't work out. And I am really, really worried about that scenario. If the new six that comes in isn't good, what happens? Are you going to have an unhappy Kimmick? Are you going to be able to rally a player like Goretzka after you you bench him to, to be able to feel good about his situation and perform? Or do you go with Gravenberg, a youngster, if he's still there, and then hope that he's ready for the rigors of the schedule that awaits Bayern Munich over the course of next season? Do you go with Limer, a player who has a lot of good qualities, but still we don't know how he will fit at Bayern Munich? All of this is uncertain. And what I don't like about squad planning is uncertainty. There is a lot of uncertainty in that midfield for next season. And, and I am worried about it. I'm worried about Kimmich having too much power, being able to call his own shots. I'm worried about Tuchel making the decision that Kimmich can't play the six. In my mind, Kimmich can play and can be a great six. And I think changing his position right now is going to be worse for the team. It's going to set the team back in terms of its balance, in terms of its squad planning, and in terms of how everything needs to work to make the unit successful for the 2023-2024 campaign. I'm very worried about that. And I do think as much as I like Kimmich, it would be good for him to recognize that he is and can be a great six and that he should take the challenge of being that kind of player to do what's best for the team and make the team better by embracing that role and also limiting what the club has to go out and spend. If you can get Kimmich to be a great six, you can save the money you would have to go out and spend on someone, which inevitably is going to be anywhere from 30 to 90 million at this point, depending on who you go out and get. Could be even more if you really make a, a run at an at a EPL defensive midfielder who we'll talk about in a little bit. So 
I'm worried about the situation. I don't like Kimmich's power. I don't like Tuchel's decision here. And I don't like that somehow the squad planning ended up with so many potential eights on the roster for next season and no six at this stage. So for me, this is all a problem and I'm hoping it gets worked out, but I have no faith that we're not going to enter next season with a new six and, 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 or, or with Kimmich being the six and the eight situation being worked out with Goretzka being the leader in the clubhouse to play the role. I think it's going to be a massive overhaul just like I think Thomas Muller's in trouble moving forward with the starting role. This could be a very rocky season in terms of stability next year. And uh, I don't know how much, how much of a leash does Thomas Tuchel have if things don't work out? Because if things start out poorly, if some of these moves don't look good, he's going to be the fall guy. I mean, Brazo's already on the hot seat. If he doesn't push the right buttons in the transfer market, he could see himself let go, but Tuchel, I don't know. He better hope that all of these strategies and ideas that he have that he has work out. Because if not, Byron has already shown that they will not wait long with a coach if they think things aren't going well. And this Tuchel situation has a potential to be either great, fantastic, it all works out perfectly, or a complete bust. And I don't think there's really much room in between. And when I talk about complete bust, I'm not talking about Bayern Munich being a middle of the pack team in the Bundesliga. No, they'll still be top three, probably the top team. But can they really compete in Europe like this? Can they go out and get to a further point? Can they make the, the Champions League semifinals with the roster that they're going to have next season? I don't know. I mean, a lot of that will depend on who they get at striker, but I can already tell you that with some of the things that we've seen, some of the stories this week, if some of those things happen, and we'll talk about uh, a few of those stories in, in a second here, uh, I have my doubts already. But when we look at the number six position, the name that has most often been linked to Bayern Munich at this point is Ajax's Edson Alvarez. Alvarez, of course, the Mexican defensive midfielder known for his tackling, his physical play, not necessarily known for his technical ability. Uh, which is a little bit concerning with how Bayern Munich plays. Uh, right now, we see that Borussia Dortmund is probably the leader in the clubhouse for Alvarez, which is a good thing. If I were Bayern Munich, uh, while I might kick the tires on Alvarez, I wouldn't go above and beyond to sign him at this point. I think that you're you're going to have to go out. If you're truly going to push Kimmich up the field, then you're going to have to do a little bit better than Edson Alvarez. We know that Tuchel does like Alvarez. He, in fact, I think wanted to bring him to Chelsea. So there is a connection there, but hopefully Borussia Dortmund takes this matter out of Bayern's hands and inks Alvarez before Bayern can really muster up an offer to present to Ajax and also to the players. So we'll keep an eye on Alvarez, but uh, I'm hoping that that Dortmund is able to convince him to join them and then Bayern won't have to move uh, move in that direction. Another six who has been linked to Bayern Munich is Declan Rice of West Ham. Rice, of course... I think he's got all the traits that you want in a six. Uh, he's a young player who has already developed great experience. He's got good technical abilities, physical. He could be probably the best possible option for Bayern Munich. The problem is he's going to cost you nine figures, most likely. Uh, and that's a problem because Bayern Munich is already looking at spending nine figures on a striker this summer, which we'll touch on in a little bit as well. But, uh, 
if you want to if you want to look at Rice as a potential solution for Bayern Munich, yeah, no doubt he is. But Bayern's going to have to spend a lot of money to get him. They're going to have to outbid some English teams, which I mean, right now there's there's really there's no proof right now that Rice wants to leave England uh, in terms of leaving the Premier League. And I, I, I'm doubting that he's going to want to make the jump to Germany. I'm doubting that Byron's going to be able to put together the financial package to make it work anyway. So while I would probably like to see Rice out of all the number six options that are out there, I, I would really rate that as, as not likely to happen at this stage. A couple of the other transfer rumors from this week that don't involve defensive midfielders. Uh, we once again saw rumors linking Bayern Munich to Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. We saw that Bayern has discussed those names internally, but nothing has advanced since that point. Mason Mount, I must, I think he's a good player. I don't think you necessarily need him at Bayern Munich because you have a glut at the 10 position as is. I don't see the, the need to add another 10 unless you're planning on using a formation where you're going to rely on two tens playing at the same time, which we did see Julian Nagelsmann do in the past. I don't know if Tuchel has the appetite to do the same, but uh, if he does, then may, yeah, sure. If you can get Mount at an affordable price and you think he can contribute for you, why not? The problem is I, I don't think you can get him at an affordable price. I don't, even though he has a relationship with Tuchel, I'm not so sure that it weighs enough in his mind to make the jump to Germany. So I would, again, rate that as not likely to happen. Kai Havertz, this is interesting because I predicted that he will sign with Bayern Munich this summer. Of course, I did that a few months ago. <laughs> and look, it's probably not going to happen. But still, in my mind, this is a dark horse kind of signing that is flying under the radar right now. There's so much focus on Randall Kolomolani, Victor Osiman, uh, and some of the other striker candidates that you're not really seeing Bayern and Kai Havertz being linked right now. And, and I kind of get this feeling that this could be like the move that flies under the radar that, you know, in some random day, like July 9th or whatever, we're going to find out Byron's closing in on a deal with Havertz. And I think that that's a, I don't want to say it's a likely scenario, but it's a, it's a possible scenario. Havertz is someone who the club has liked for a long time. He's a German, of course, while he is probably best known for his ability to play the 10, can play on both wings. He can play as a striker. And again, we don't know what formation Tuchel's going to run. Either way, he's got the type of attacking versatility that Tuchel likes. Tuchel has experience coaching him. Havertz has speed. He has height. Doesn't have necessarily a lot of strength at this point, but it's probably something that could be worked on. Uh, maybe uh, without having to sacrifice too much of his speed. But either way, I think this is a, a player who Byron likes his profile. I think that they like him. I think if they could get him for an affordable price, and when I say affordable, when you're talking about Howard, I'm thinking about 50 to 60 million. Given the attacking glut of options at Chelsea, given the fact that Chelsea definitely needs to shed some of its budget, some of its salaries, uh, I think that this Havertz move is something that could happen. And while it's being downplayed at the moment, I think that this could be a scenario where Brazo and the boys are sandbagging it a little bit, and we could see some late action maybe towards the end of the season or at least the official closing of the 2022-2023 season uh, where we might start to see some steam pick up heading into the transfer window. And then, like I said, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if we see the out-of-nowhere Byron's going to ink Kai Havertz 
story break. Just my thought, just my prediction. I still think that he's a player the club likes. I think now that they've hired Tuchel, it makes even more sense. And he could be that striker option that fulfills what the club wants to do without them having to go out and spend nine figures. And that nine figures is key because what we've seen this week is that Byron has also made Randall Colomuani their number one target, that they are uh, one of the primary clubs looking to land him and that they are considered by some to be the leader in the clubhouse to get him. We know that PSG is also in that mix. PSG has uh, a trump card um, and killing Mbappe because Mbappe wants Colomuani. PSG is going to have to replace Messi. They're probably going to have to replace Neymar. They could have to... Okay, this is a joke, but they could have to replace Renato Sanchez too, which is a whole nother situation. Not that he's in the attack, but looks like he's moving on from PSG. But either way, uh, Bayern Munich is going to have to make a decision on who it wants to play the nine. They seem to really like Kolomuani. Uli Honus really likes Kolomuani by a few different reports. Uh, he's still carrying a lot of weight at the club somehow, even though he's in kind of an honorary type position. I know he's on the supervisory board, but his influence is not just as someone who's on the supervisory board at this point. I wouldn't be shocked if he's leveraging the fact that he was part of developing Brazo into an executive, that he was part of the committee that brought in Heiner and, and Oliver Kahn as club executives. I mean, he, Listen, all of these guys, they owe him something. And it seems like Uli has never really wanted to take his hand out of the pot there. So uh, if he really wants Randall Colomwani, it seems like the club is going to make every effort to get him. I just don't know if Byron's going to have the appetite to go up that high. We did see a story this week that was quickly refuted that Eintracht Frankfurt would be willing to lower its price, or at least that Bayern Munich believed that Eintracht Frankfurt would be willing to lower its price. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I certainly don't think that they will want to because there's a market for Kolomwani and there is a market to absolutely uh, sell him uh, for somewhere in the neighborhood of nine figures. So why would they, you know, why would they not do that? Why would they not maximize the revenue that they can generate from selling a player of his caliber? I've been pretty steadfast on how I feel about Cole Moani. I think he's a good talent. I don't necessarily think he is a nine-figure talent. And you know, Phil from our site brought up a good point that that's just the market these days. And I, I agree with Phil on that in that, yes, to get a top-tier number nine, you're probably going to have to spend, spend nine figures. I just don't think Cole Moani is a top-tier number nine at this point. I need to see more. And maybe that's just me. Uh, needing having this try it before you buy it mentality. I, I need to see a little bit more of a track record with him. It's not as if, you know, this is like the second or third great season in a row he's had. I mean, kind of burst onto the scene earlier this year. And it's nothing against what he did earlier in his career, but he really became a popular figure this season. And listen, I track Frankfurt's had a lot of different successful strikers. You could go down the list of Luka Jovic, uh, Anti Rebic, uh, Seb- Sebastian Haller, Andre Silva. I mean, there are all players who have done well <clears throat> playing for Frankfurt. Cole Mwani being yet another one. 
I need to see a little bit more. And, you know, when looking at those other players, it's not like any have really went on and had this great career after leaving on track. Alera has maybe been the most successful. He had a nice run there. But even this year, um, when he came back from his awful situation with cancer, he has not really been able to assert himself just yet. And sure, he could. Uh, he absolutely could next season, but I, I have my doubts and reservations about Cole Moani. I have my doubts and reservations about, you know, a lot of players that come out of Frankfurt, given the success that they have there and, and what they've failed to do elsewhere. So uh, I want to see more from Cole Moani before I'm ready to spend nine figures, even though I know that that is the market price. And that's another reason why I think Havertz could be a little bit appealing to Bayern Munich because, Listen, if you can get away with spending 60 million instead of 90 million and maybe get the same production rate, why wouldn't you? Uh, so I don't know. I maybe I'm overshooting Havertz a little bit, but I do think with the surrounding cast that he would have at Bayern Munich, I think it would be beneficial for him. I think we saw a glimpse of what he could do at the World Cup. Uh, he has not been as good for Chelsea as he was for Germany there toward the end of the World Cup this during this campaign. Uh, but still think the club likes him. I think he's got a lot of potential and that, honestly, it, it's a move that would, would not shock me if it came out of nowhere. Uh, so the last two topics I do want to hit on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do so pretty quickly. The title race and the implications of this weekend – uh, as I said, when I started this podcast, you know, you should definitely check out I Need No Names preview for the Bayern RB Leipzig match. But this is a massive, massive weekend for Bayern Munich. I mean, sure, they they hold the one point lead over Dortmund and that's good, but it's not as if RB Leipzig is this pushover team. I mean, Leipzig has a lot of talent. They are hungry because they need this win to get a Champions League berth, at least help them secure one. There are a lot of things that could go wrong. And I'm very skeptical that that this is going to go as smoothly for Bayern as a lot of people think. Now, listen, Arbe Leipzig can be great some days and God awful on others. There's really like two extremes that work for this team. If they're on point and they bring their A game, this could be a problem for Bayern Munich. Now, when you look at the schedule, you see that Dortmund has Augsburg. And while they are on the road, this should be a match that Dortmund, in this situation, if they don't bottle it and they don't choke and have a weak mentality, they should get three points. Bayern is at a big risk right now. I mean, a terrible, terrible risk. But Bayern not only has to deal with Leipzig this week, they'll turn around and, you know, they'll have to play FC Cole next week. And... With that matchup, of course, like Byron will be favored and and there's no doubt that they should be. I mean, Byron is a better team, but what is the mentality of the team if they come out and they, they only get a tie or they can't get the worse, they lose this week, right? It could go really sideways really quickly. So I, I'm worried about this Leipzig matchup, maybe more than I should be, but I respect Leipzig. I think they have a good young hungry team who wants to be in Europe next season and they know that it really could hurt their own chances to play in the Champions League next year if they don't win this match it is truly a must win game for both teams Leipzig is you know currently in third in the third place at the table with 60 points 
They're one point ahead of Union Berlin, who has 59, and four points ahead of Freiburg, who is at 56. So, sure, it's conceivable that if Leipzig loses the match, they can still get a Champions League berth. But nothing's written in stone. They can help write their own pathway forward if they get the win. And I think Bayern, I'm not going to say Bayern's in trouble because I think they ultimately will win the match. But this is a dangerous situation. And if Tuchel does not go out and put his best 11 out there, this can go sideways quickly. And I, I, I will say this will not be a cakewalk. Now, given my track record predicting Bundesliga games this year, I'm probably way off. But I do respect and worry about what Leipzig could do in this scenario and how hungry they are. Finally, the last topic that I'm going to touch on is Sadio Mane. Should he stay? Should he go? It's been a big topic of debate on the site. Manchester United, Chelsea, Newcastle, and Juventus are all interested in Mane. But what we've seen is that Mane and his agent are talking to Bayern Munich and they're saying that they don't want to leave. They want to hang in there for yet another season. Now, when he joined the club, I think a lot of people were expecting this dynamic scoring talent. He's certainly shown glimpses of what he can be. But what we learned, what we have learned of late, and we had some idea that some of this was going on, is that Mane might not necessarily be the locker room good guy he was portrayed to be. Now, we we have plenty of evidence of that at Bayern Munich. He had a big altercation with Nagelsmann. He slapped Leroy Sané. But now we know, at least according to reports out of England, and he also had some, some big issues with Jurgen Klopp during that last season, which ultimately led to him wanting to leave. So in a lot of ways, Bayern Munich got a guy toward the end of his career who's a malcontent, who has underperformed. And if I'm Bayern Munich, whether he wants to stay or not, maybe it's all lip service right now for the media, I'm looking to sell him as quickly as I can. And it has nothing to do with his ability. Even though it's declining, he's still a good player, and I wouldn't take that away from him. I think he's a little bit of a fraud for this persona that's been put out there that he's this happy-go-lucky guy, great teammate, blah, blah, blah. It, it, what we're seeing now, and 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 I don't know, maybe it's revisionist history or maybe it's just things are leaking out because he's had some trouble, but if he's had some kind of issue going on in the locker room environment the last two years at least, tells me that this guy is probably not the easiest to deal with I'll be honest, I don't think that he's a starting level player for Bayern Munich next season. I'd much rather go with Coman and Sané, and I'll even put Gnabry ahead of him. Of course, I'd like to see Musiala on the wing more (laughs) than any of those players, but that's not going to happen either. But if he's my fourth wing, I don't want to be paying my fourth wing what Bayern Munich is paying him. If they can find someone to take Mane, I would absolutely unload him whether he wants to be at Bayern Munich or not. And that'll about do it for this episode. Like I said last week, I have not been able to get into any streaming because I've been so wrapped up into baseball, basketball, hockey. I'm trying as much as I would probably like to divert my attention and release sports from my brain a little bit. I have been glued to checking out games every night. To me, it's, it's a fascinating time of the year when you have the base basketball playoffs, you've got the hockey playoffs, you've got, Football, like literally running into the end of its season. You've got baseball where everything is still fresh. You haven't hit the dog days of summer yet. 
it's still very, very exciting where you're still trying to get a beat on what your team is going to be like. So I've been very interested in watching all those and I have not watched any shows, but rest assured, I will get back to something. As I stated, I, I have been watching White House Plumbers, but I don't one, I don't think it's good enough to really review and talk about. And I'm just kind of like watching it because it's there, I guess. But anyway, uh, I will get back to to watching some kind of show shortly. I just uh, need some things to break in my schedule. You can always get me on Twitter at the Barrel Blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweet Meister Tom Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get all of our game coverage and news coverage at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We've got a lot of great and talented writers and podcasters on our roster, so please check the site out. And uh, hey, check out everything that we're going to do covering the RB Leipzig match. Of course, we'll have all of our normal coverage, the live blog, the awards, the observations, the reactions in our post-game podcast. You'll have all that great stuff. So hang with us there. Have a couple of beers on me this weekend, and we'll see you next time.